here's what I want to do. Um, one of the things I love about Jed and, and love about so many here, um, but I'll just highlight Jed. Jed, you look at him. Um, I don't know how old you are, but you're older than me. Um, but, but here's a guy in West Michigan. He said he went to Holland Christian, went to Calvin College. You know, just a very typical, not to label you, typical West Michigan, okay? Molder last name. I mean, it's, it's West Michigan. Stepping into the heart, stepping into the broken, stepping into the mess and saying, you know what? There are things that, that I'm hearing that I didn't hear as a, as a kid. Um, I'm hearing now and I'm stepping in and building relationships with people so that I can introduce them to Jesus, so that I can introduce them to others who know Jesus, so that I can surround them with a loving community. I am willing to step in and bring others with me to step into the hard, not just to build a relationship, but I want them to have a relationship with Jesus. And I look at his life, and he's been, you've been at the bridge at, at 17 years, 18 years? Um, was this what you were thinking you were going to do when you were a kid? No, no. Here he, he stepped into that. And the story of his life is, is one of, I'm going to give so that others can meet Jesus. And I know I can go around this room, and that's this desire for, for many of you here, is that you live your life in a, in a way that points others to Jesus. And I, I often think about the question, like, what is the story that we're telling with our lives? When we get to the end of our lives, what is it that we want people to say about us? Will we want them to say, you know what, I, I raised a family, I worked hard, I bought some cars, I had a cottage, and you know what, that's all I did. Is that the story we want to tell? Or is it, you know what, I worked hard, raised a family, yep, God blessed me with some things, but I gave my life on behalf of other people so that they could introduce, so that they could encounter Jesus. I mean, that's who we want to be, to be people who are following Jesus and who are telling others about Jesus. And this week I was really inspired, and next week we're going to look at this uh, church as well, but I was really inspired by the church in Acts 11, the church in Antioch. If you want to flip there, uh, go ahead and, and do that. Acts 11. I want to share just a couple things, and I'll share more next week uh, on this church in Antioch. One of the most influential churches that I, that I see in Scripture, and a very unique church, a, very, uh, a church that, 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 that got started in a very interesting way but a church that, that was influential in the world a couple thousand years ago. It says this in, in Acts 11, verse 19, and I'm going to read the whole uh, section. It says this, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. Greek-speaking Jews, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, 
named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, go back to the beginning. Here's this church in Antioch. And and how did it get started? Look at verse 19. It says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia. Go back a couple chapters. We see what was happening. We see the persecution that was happening. Acts 8 is is where this story got started. Here was a a man named Stephen who was killed for his faith, stood up and and preached the gospel, and, and was stoned to death. And here in, in verse 8 of, of chapter Acts, we see this guy named Saul approved of his execution. And it says, And there arose on the day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And it talks about Philip who went to Samaria and preached the word. But here in Acts 11, we see there were a group of people that went to Antioch, 300 miles north of Jerusalem, went to Antioch to a city about 500 to 800,000 people, a city that was known for its immorality, notorious for its immorality. And they went there and they preached the gospel. Now, the thing that's interesting is this church in Antioch was started by, we don't even get their names. It just says, some people or them. And I get so encouraged by that because it just says, those who were scattered, we don't know their names, we don't know anything about them. It says, all that they did was they went and preached the word. I love that picture because here it was just people who were so captivated by the love of Jesus that they were running for their lives, and wherever they went, they preached the word. They shared the gospel. They shared with people how to have a relationship with God through Jesus. They talked about that that was the reason that we were created, is to have this relationship with God. But that was broken by sin. But God, in his great mercy and his love for them, sent his son Jesus to die for them so that they can be reconciled to the Father. And so anywhere that they went, they spoke the word. They preached the gospel. I mean, get that picture in your mind. As they're running for their lives, they are not living for their own lives. They are living for someone greater. They're living for Jesus. They're sharing the gospel with people. And I just think that the very beginning of this church in Antioch was started, was birthed out of persecution, out of a time of great suffering. Martyrdom led to the church in Antioch being started. I mean, think about it. You go back to Acts chapter 8. In the midst of difficulty... Here, Satan's strategy was like, I'm going to smush this church. I'm going to kill these followers of Jesus. And so I'm going to raise up Saul to, to, to capture them and put them in jail and kill them. But do you see what happened? Saul, because of the persecution, resulted in scattering these believers that would one day plant the church that Saul would be sent out from to go plant more churches. I mean, you think about, about Satan's strategy was like, ha, I'm going I'm to eliminate uh, this, this church. And they're scattered and they preach the gospel and more people come to know Jesus. And I just think God's saying, 
oh, you think that was going to destroy the church? No, in the midst of persecution, I'm going to raise up more followers of Jesus. In the midst of suffering, a church begins because people, some people, shared the gospel in the midst of difficulty. I mean, let's never forget that in the midst of suffering, the kingdom of God expanded in powerful ways. In the midst of a, a world, in the midst of a city where there was so much brokenness and so much immorality, here comes these people running for their lives and they speak and they proclaim the gospel. Suffering, persecution is the catalyst to get people out of the uncomfortable or the comfortable situation maybe in Jerusalem, scatters them all around the world and they share the gospel. The truth is, as, as followers of Jesus, the life that Jesus has called each one of us to has not been one of being comfortable, sitting, hunkering down, staying to ourselves like, okay, I got my, own, my, my, my good little life. No, it's all about stepping out as the Spirit leads and proclaiming the gospel to people that we come in contact with. Are we doing that? Are we entering into the messes like Jed was sharing? Are we entering into the messes of life? Are we building those relationships so that we can share the gospel? You know, look around this room and each of us have jobs. We live in neighborhoods. You are not there by chance. You're not there just because, oh, this is where I chose to live. No, Acts 17 says God has placed you in this time and season. Why? So that you can point others to Jesus, so that you can share the gospel. I love that about the inspiration that we see in the church in Antioch. They were, they, they were sent out. They were scattered. They were running for their lives, but they saw it as a mission, like I am going forward and I'm going to share the gospel with as many people as possible. Is that the perspective that we are taking on our lives? Are we living that way? Are we taking every opportunity to share about the hope that we have found in Jesus? There is brokenness all around us. And sometimes the brokenness that I hear and see blows my mind. People get very creative in their sin and their brokenness. This world is dark. But I praise God that he has sent us to that world to see people rescued and brought from darkness into light. And I love, as we've been talking about a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the plan that God has had from the very beginning is that he works through flawed people like me and you. That's how he wants to see the gospel go forth, is that his people proclaiming the good news that they have found in Jesus. Think about the first words that Jesus shared with the disciples. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's the first thing that he shared with them. I'm going to make you fishers of men. The last thing that he shared before he ascended into heaven, he said, now go and make disciples. If the first thing that he shared and the last thing that he shared were the same, don't you think that it's very important? It is. We have to be people who are proclaiming the gospel. That is how the church grows. The church doesn't grow through fancy programs and places and, and, and all of that. It grows through people, some people, sharing the gospel with a world that desperately needs to hear. Do we believe that there's brokenness all around? Do we believe that there's a world that is, is going to spend eternity without God, separated from God, unless they put their faith in Jesus? Do we believe that? Does it move our hearts to compassion that we need to run towards them and talk about the hope that we have? introduce them, and beg and ask God to move in powerful ways. Do you believe 
that that is the purpose of your life. I get excited. There's so much like encouragement that can come from a passage like this because the purpose that God has for your life is he wants to work through you. He wants to speak through you. Us flawed people. But I think so often we, we see ourselves as limited or there's no way I can do this or that. And we look at our faults and our failures and we think about maybe the lies that, that we believe. And God wants to break through those and he's like, I want to use you. I want to work through you. But there's also a challenge that comes with that. Are we being obedient to the command of Christ to go make disciples? I mean, that's what he told us to do. And are we being obedient? Are we trusting the Holy Spirit? Are we being obedient to the Holy Spirit when he says, go? I love in verse 26, it says that in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. You can remember that as maybe a trivia down the road if you're, you know, this question comes up. Where were the followers of Jesus first called Christians? It was in Antioch. It's interesting that they weren't called Christians when Jesus rose from the dead, appeared to the disciples, and he didn't look at them and say, okay, now I call you Christians. Or when the Holy Spirit fell in, in Acts 2, and they proclaimed the gospel, and 3,000 people came to know the Lord, he didn't, uh, they didn't appear to them and say, okay, now, now that you've done this, you're Christians. No, the first time believers were called Christians were in Antioch. And this word is made up of two other words, little is the ending of, of Christian and Christ. I find it interesting that in Antioch, people in this city of 500,000 to 800,000 people, they started to see these people pop up, these people who were running for their lives, these people who maybe wanted to blend into the city, like just go about their business. They looked at them and the difference that they were making, that they were living not for themselves, but for the glory of Jesus. And they're like, oh, you, you look like a little Christ. You look like a little Christ, not like Christ who would take away the sins of the world, but you're a little anointed one, little little chip off the old block. You just look exactly like Christ. So we're going to call you Christian. They were known by how they took the words of Jesus and lived them out in their day-to-day -day life. And I just wonder, as people look at our lives, would they say, oh, you're a Christian. You're a little Christ. You're identifying your life with Christ and you're living wholeheartedly for him. I find it interesting that this group didn't get together and come up with a name themselves. It was a name that people gave to them as they saw them live their life. And what would people say about you and me? Would they look at our lives and say, oh, the story that they're writing with their life, how they're living, it's not about them. They're pointing others to Jesus. They're living the way that Jesus taught them to live. We have such an opportunity. And I so appreciate Jed sharing that, that with us this morning. We have, we have such an opportunity in this world to live wholeheartedly for Jesus because every day, every day as we're scattered all around West Michigan and all around the world as we go to different places, we have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. God wants to work through each and every one of us. Are we laying down our own lives living surrendered to him and saying, Jesus, I want to decrease and I want you to increase in my life. I don't want people to see me. I want them to see you. And I want to live for your glory. As we step into the next couple months, there's going to be so many opportunities. I long and my prayer is that we would never get comfortable, but that we would be so uncomfortable that we would step out and that as we're uncomfortable and we speak, 
the gospel, as we share the gospel, that we would see God do only what he can do, and that's transform a heart. And we would see more and more people come to know Jesus, people in this community that aren't engaged in a church, people that aren't engaged in a relationship with God through Jesus, that we would see more people brought from darkness to light because we pray for revival, and I'm going to continue to pray and beg and plead God for revival, that hearts would be transformed. But also a part of that comes as we step out and we proclaim the gospel. And we give people an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. So I want us to pray right now. And I would love for you to open up your arms. And I know we've done this often. But I think this is such a good, just a body posture to say, God, we are here for you. God, we are here for for you and for you alone. God, we want to live our lives not to ourselves, but to you, Jesus, the one who died and gave everything for us. And God, I know in this, this room right now, there's people that are thinking, there's no way I can do that. There's no way that I can share the gospel. There's no way, and their, their mind is, is filled with lie after lie after lie. I ask through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would break off those lies right now in Jesus' name. And that you would fill us with just a burning passion burning desire to connect with people, to build those relationships, to, to have opportunity to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the hope that, you, that we have in you, Jesus. And we recognize that, Jesus, without you, we are lost. We're broken. And so we thank you for the gift of salvation that we have through you and through you alone. But God, would you just empower us? Would you fill us to overflowing? Would you make it so much so that we just can't contain ourselves. We have to share about you, Jesus. And we pray for West Michigan. We pray for schools. We pray for, for businesses. We pray for, for people here in West Michigan. God, that there would be a, be a stirring, that there would be an awakening, that hearts would come to know you, Jesus. I thank you for this community of people. I thank you for Restoration Church. I thank you for the desire of each person in this room to live wholeheartedly for you. We thank you. We love you, Lord. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.